So let's dig into God's Word together, all right? Find the book of Romans chapter 12, or if you'd like to version Bible app, just click on more and events, find our church. All the verses we're going to look at this morning will be right there in the palm of your hand. But Romans chapter 12, we're going to be looking at just two verses this morning. We're going to dig in verses 11 and 12. As you're doing that, let me ask you, where are the grillers in the house? How many of you like to grill out? Where are you at? All right, all you non-vegetarians. Uh, I don't know what kind of grill you have. Some of y'all have these fancy, you know, pellet grills where it takes hours and hours and hours to cook your meat. Uh-uh, not at Casa de Sherman. Uh, we're too impatient for that. But this is my grill. We got us an old just propane, simple propane gas grill, right? Because they're efficient, they're effective, they're wonderful, they work great, except... Have you ever had that experience, you know, where you set the meat out there, you get the temperature right, you go back inside, watch the game or whatever, and you come back out and, yeah, it's cold because you run out of gas. And then when the grill runs out of gas, it ceases to be hot, right? And when it ceases to be hot, it ceases to be useful in the hands of the grill master. Who's my wife, by the way? Let's just be honest about that. That's my, I'm not going to lie. So there's a spiritual principle at play here, all right? If your life is like a grill, you've you got to stay connected to the source of the Spirit so that you can stay hot, so that you can stay useful in the hands of the Master. That's called radical devotion. And here's how the book of Romans puts it right here. Verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Okay, six phrases. Beloved, you can memorize these, all right? Eric and I are on a mission to encourage and exhort you to memorize this passage of Scripture with us. If you'd like some help, all you got to do is text RADICAL to our church number. We'll send you this verse sometime during the week just to remind you and encourage you to you can hide this Word of God in your heart with us, all right? So let's take it verse by verse, phrase by phrase. First, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The way I see it, serving the Lord there, that's kind of the action. That's the action step. That's the command, the expectation is that we serve the Lord. And the other phrases modify this one. So let's talk about serving the Lord. May I remind you, beloved, you work for God. I don't care what you do, whether, whether you're a plumber or a pastor, whether you're a student or a soldier, you wake up every day going to work for God. This is how the Bible puts it in the book of Colossians. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for people. So beloved, in all your work, with all your heart, and all you do, you work for God. He's the Lord. You work for him every day. That's what it means to serve the Lord. You wake up every day regardless of what your profession is. We all serve God. Amen? Okay, so then, Pastor, I wake up I report for duty, show up to work. If God gives you breath, if he gives you another day, that means he's giving you another day to show up to work. If you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. So then it's, okay, how does God want me to work? Well, that's what these other two phrases uh, tell us. They, they modify how we're supposed to work for the Lord. First is not lagging behind in diligence. Okay, let's, let's break this down. Diligence means zeal, purpose, or energy of action. And lagging, that means to delay, hesitate, or be slow. So to put that all together then is, when you show up to work for God, there's no lollygagging. 
as you serve the Lord, right? In other words, don't be a spiritual slowpoke as you serve the Lord. Have you ever had that experience, you know, where you're trying to get somewhere, say East Texas, and so you're on the highway, you're in the left lane, and you're exceeding the speed limit, and you're in the left lane, and then you come upon someone who's just going too slow in the left lane, right? And that's always a good test of your spiritual condition right then, right? It's like, get out the left lane. We're trying to get someplace up in here, right? Either pick up your speed or get out of the lane, right? Well, there's also a spiritual principle at play in, in the same, because we're not supposed to be lagging behind in diligence, because as workers for God, you and I as members of the church, collectively, we are, we are members of the most important organization in the history of the world, because we have the most important miss, mission, because we have the most important message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah who came and lived a sinless life and died and was buried, and then on the third day he rose again, ascends back up to on high, and he's coming back. And so listen, don't be a spiritual slowpoke. Don't be lagging behind. Don't be a, a lollygagging as you serve the Lord because, listen, we're trying to get someplace up in here, so either pick up your speed or get out of the left lane. We're trying to get someplace up in here. Don't be lollygagging as you serve the Lord. That's first. Not lagging behind in diligence. Here's second. Fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. So let's break that down. First, let's talk about spirit. What's your spirit? Here's my understanding of how you are made. Just like God is three in one, I think you are three in one. Triparte, they call it. Body, soul, and spirit. I get that from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which says this, And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So my understanding of the way God made us is that we are spirit, soul, and body. Now, Dr. Tony Evans, help me understand this. So if you disagree with me, that's fine. You just got to disagree with Scripture and Dr. Tony Evans, all right? I don't recommend either of those. Okay, so here's what he taught me. Your body, that's how you connect with the world. Makes sense. God's given you a body. That's how you and I connect with the world around us. But you also uh, have been given a soul, and this is the real you. This is how you connect with yourself. Like it's been well said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. That's you. The real you is your soul. So you have a body, you are a soul, but then you also have a spirit. You are your spirit. Now who's that? That's how you connect with God, is by your spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that no one knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him, in the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God, and you've been given the mind of Christ. So think about it. No one knows your thoughts better than you, your spirit. Aren't you glad that all of your thoughts aren't broadcast? You know, Whew, I'm so glad. But you know your thoughts better than anyone else. Your spirit knows your thoughts better than anyone else. And the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God better than anyone else. And when you come to faith in Christ, God gifts you his Holy Spirit to come live within you. And now the one who knows the thoughts of God is in union with you who know your thoughts. So that's how you commune with God. His spirit to your spirit and your spirit to his spirit. That's how you connect with God is by your spirit. So back to our passage, it says that you and I are to be 
fervent in spirit. In our fellowship, in our connection with God, we are supposed to be fervent. That word fervent literally means boiling. This is about staying hot, all right? So this gets back to the grill metaphor where you and I need to be fervent in spirit, boiling in spirit, hot in spirit in order to stay useful in the hands of the master. So, of course, the key to staying hot is staying close to the fire, who is God. Think about it through scriptures with me, how often in the, in the Bible, in the history of the Bible, God's manifest presence is metaphored as fire. If you go back even to the very uh, first book of Genesis, God made a covenant with Abram where he showed up as this flaming torch, all right? And then in the book of Exodus, when he showed up to Moses, he came as the burning bush, right? Then he came in the book of Numbers, and as he led the, the Israelites in the wilderness, he came as this pillar of fire by night. So over and over again, the manifest presence of God in Scripture is called fire. Well, so it is also true in the New Testament. Remember John the Baptist? He went around baptizing people with water, but he taught this clearly in Matthew chapter 3. He said, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who's coming after me, that's Jesus, is mightier than I, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, the Holy Spirit and fire go together. The Holy Spirit is our fire. The, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit then is the one who literally fires us up to serve God. He energizes us. He purifies us as we serve him. This is why Paul told Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God. I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands at the Holy Spirit. And this spirit, by the way, just to remind you, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, who keeps you fervent in spirit, but you, as a course of discipline, have to fan into flame that gift. And may I remind you, beloved, the Holy Spirit in you does not make you timid. No one has ever advanced the kingdom of heaven by timidity. The spirit that God has given you is not a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. You wrap all those three together, what's that called? That's called courage, and it's by courage that the kingdom of heaven is advanced. And you have it. If you're trusting in Christ, because you've been gifted the fire of the Holy Spirit. And in your communion with him, that's how you stay hot, if you will, for God. And that's how you stay useful in the hands of the master. So we serve the Lord, not lagging behind in diligence and fervent in spirit. That's how we stay useful in the hands of the master. All right. But then let's be honest. You know, as, as you serve the Lord, you get tired. And as you serve the Lord, you will face opposition. So how do we handle that? How do we handle opposition? And, and how do we just press on when we get weary? That's verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Again, three phrases, three words in each phrase, easy to memorize. You can do this. Text radical. We're with you. Okay, but let's take each phrase uh, line by line. Here we go. Persevering in tribulation. That's kind of how I see the heart of verse 12 is it's talking about how we are to persevere in tribulation. That's our action step is to persevere in tribulation. So what does that mean? Well, tribulation means distress, pressure, or weightiness that we go through. And to persevere, I love this word in the original language. It's a, it's a combination of two Greek words, hype 
Hypo, which means under, all right, when you're hypothalamic, right, you got less than you need, right? And then you've got monase, which in Greek means to remain. So literally in Greek, to persevere means to remain under. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about remaining under, but this is what comes to my mind. It's Louis Zamperini in the movie Unbroken, which, by the way, the movie was good, the book's better. Laura Hillenbrand wrote it, and she, did, I think, did a masterful job telling this true story of Louis Zamperini, World War II veteran, uh, Olympian, who uh, got shipwrecked at sea, survived for an incredible amount of time at sea, was captured by the Japanese, and lived in a prisoner of war camp where he was beaten and treated severely. And at one point, this is a true story, at one point while he's uh, in the internment camp, he's commanded to hold a plank above his head. Now remember, this is after he had been beaten and he's emaciated and is working as a slave every day. He's told to hold this heavy plank over his head and if he drops it, one of his fellow soldiers is going to get shot. So Louis Zamperini holds this plank over his head and he keeps holding it and he holds it for a minute and then two minutes and then five minutes and then 10 and 15 and 20, 25 you want to guess how long Louis Zamperini held that plank over his head? This is an account, a true story. 37 minutes. I'd like to challenge some of you athletes out there to hold a plank over your head for 37 minutes. All you CrossFit people. You know how you, you, know, you, know how you can tell when you have a friend who does CrossFit? They'll tell you. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> I just lost a friend, I think. <laughs> so, 37 minutes. He held that plank over so long that the Japanese guy got frustrated and left and nobody got shot. Later on in his life, he was interviewed, by the way. How in the world, in your condition, were you able to hold a plank over your head for 37 minutes? You know what he did? He just looked up. God gave him this. He became a man of faith. God gave him the strength, and he will do it with you. So listen, as a fully devoted follower of Christ, one who wakes up every day showing up for work to serve the Lord, you will face tribulation. Jesus said so. In this world, you will have tribulation, right? But when it comes, we followers of Christ, we do not quit, we do not yield, we do not give up, we do not shrink back. We remain. We stick it out. We stay. We gut it out through faith and perseverance. We remain under in the strength of God. Amen? That's what we do. We persevere in tribulation. We remain. So then, okay, Pastor, what's the key to persevering? Those are these other two phrases. First, by rejoicing in hope. I love this. Rejoicing in hope. We've got to talk about hope. Hope in the world and hope in the Bible are different. Okay? You and I, when we talk about hope, in our normal everyday conversations, it's like more wishful thinking, right? Like, I hope the Cowboys win a playoff game. Can we just have that, right? That's wishful thinking, right? But then in the Bible, it's more like a confident expectation. Like, I'm hoping that Jesus comes back. It's, just not, it's not if, it's when. It's a confident expectation, so wishful thinking in the world, in the Bible, confident expectation. Matter of fact, Peter calls our hope as believers a living hope. Here's what he said. 
1 Peter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us new birth, here it is, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So beloved, lock your minds on this truth. If you're a person of faith in Jesus Christ, please look. Your inheritance in heaven is kept by God. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think when God keeps something, he keeps it good. Now that's bad grammar, but it's good theology, right? He keeps it good. And therefore, beloved, not even the devil himself can touch your inheritance in heaven. And your hope is as secure as your inheritance. Your hope is as secure as your inheritance. So when we talk about hope, we're not talking about wishful thinking. We're talking about the confident expectation that comes from knowing that God is keeping us in our inheritance in heaven. That's our hope. It's the hope of glory. And hope like that, underneath the umbrella of hope like that, all good things can grow. It's kind of like a greenhouse. I remember... Uh, some of you know we took my dad. My dad has Alzheimer's. And so my twin brother and I took him on a trip down memory lane. And for, for him to do that, he had to go back up to Connecticut where he grew up. And so we went to his childhood home. We just kind of knocked on the door. This poor couple thought we were nuts. Uh, but they were so gracious to us. And uh, there is my dad's greenhouse that he worked in uh, as a boy. And my grandfather was the gardener. And he was famous for growing geraniums in that greenhouse. And he'd clip them at Easter and pass them out. And, and, you know, we don't have a greenhouse at our place. I don't know if you do. But greenhouses are special because um, regardless of what's going on outside, right, it could be cold, it could be cloudy, whatever, inside the greenhouse are ripe conditions for growth because the master knows what he's doing. So it is true in life. Hope, beloved, is a greenhouse. It doesn't matter what else is going on around you, cold, cloudy conditions may be. Inside the greenhouse of hope, the geranium of joy can thrive. That's why you can always have joy, regardless of what's going on around you. I was encouraging a family from Brock this week with this word. I know, uh, any families from Brock in this room this morning? Are you guys a handful of you? I just wanted to say, I don't know if you have heard, but this young girl is a tremendous tragedy in Brock this past week. This young poor girl was run over by the bus right at the school. Students are on the bus. Students are all around watching it happen. It's just incredibly sad tragedy. And so I just want to remind all of you, especially from Brock this week, that in the midst of a tragedy and a tribulation like this, you can still have hope and you can still rejoice and may God comfort you with those words. That's what the scripture says. Amen? Okay. So, Pastor Rim, how do we persevere in tribulation? First, by rejoicing in hope. And then secondly, by being devoted to prayer. Here's the last phrase. Devoted to prayer. Okay, so I did some digging in. This word devoted literally means to adhere to. Like sometimes we use the phrase hold fast. It means to cling to or adhere to or to hold fast. So I was thinking of all the ways that you and I in our culture adhere stuff. All right? So I thought of these, like if, if something's light, maybe you'd use string. If something's a little heavier, maybe you'd use some Velcro. 
And then, of course, there's the glorious invention of duct tape. And then if you really, really, really want to adhere something permanently, it's super glue, right? So may I ask you a personal question? This passage talks about being devoted to prayer, adhered to God through prayer. Which one of those best describes your prayer life today? How well are you adhering to God throughout your day in prayer? You know, we could all find some inspiration from the Son of God himself. I mean, you think about Jesus. We're talking about, man, I'm too busy to pray. Well, Jesus had, like, the most important mission of any person in the history of the world. It's not like he wasn't busy. But you know what he would often do? Luke chapter 5. He would often slip away into the wilderness and pray because he needed to in order to stay super glued to the Father. So may I exhort you, my brothers and sisters, to regularly slip away to whatever your wilderness means alone, quiet place alone. Regularly slip away to some quiet place alone and pray to stay super glued to the Father. That's devoted to prayer. So, beloved, serve the Lord with vigor, with enthusiasm, right? Not lagging behind, but fervently. And when you get tired or when you face opposition, stick it out. Remain. By rejoicing in hope, I'm being devoted to prayer. That is radical devotion. But if you do that, I promise you, like Jesus, you will overcome the world. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. And so, indeed, our Heavenly Father... Uh, we just join our hearts in faith right now as a church family, and we want to uh, reattach ourselves to you. I know we got people all over the spectrum right now, here and wherever we are in the world, and maybe there are even some listening who are not connected to you at all, but today's the day and now's the time just to receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection to get connected to God by the only way we can through the gift of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Or maybe uh, you're here this morning and you've been kind of distant for a while and you want to open up those lines of communication back to God. I promise you he is there. He's with you. He loves you. He's never going to leave you nor abandon you. Just turn back to him. He'd love to rejoin that ongoing conversation. And Father, for all of us, just to, to renew a right spirit within us, a fervent spirit, a hot spirit, so that we stay useful in your hands every day, no matter what we do, that our lives will matter for eternity because we are fervent in spirit. We stay hot and useful in the hands of the master. And that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.